Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the podcast. I have Evan Gia joining me today on the episode and it was just such a joy to talk with her. She is such an inspirational, motivational person through and through. Energy is peak A1. Um, She has just really created her own lane. It's taken years of hard work. She sits in between like, I consider her like a pop electronic dance music star. She brings such high energy and such an immaculate performance to all of her shows. She has been doing support slots for huge A-tier acts such as Odessa and Alice in Wonderland for the last few years. Now she is doing tours of her own. She has a Gia Move series um, in coordination with her tour stops where she's doing cycling classes. Everything about Evan Gia is extremely unique, extremely futuristic, and I think gives hope to so many aspiring female male featuring artists in the electronic dance music scene. She has totally built a brand of her own. She totally has a mission of her own. Um, It it was just such an inspiring conversation. And you can hear her vocals, check out her tour stop, make sure to check out her Spotify. She just had a massive feature, which she does not do many of with Elenium and Dylan Francis. She just released a new EP with a massive tour to back it up. I'm sure sometime in 2023, she will be in your city. So when you see her, Make sure to go and check her out. We talk about everything from building the project from the ground up to working with producers, Memba, and so much more label deals, building a team, building a brand, and what's on the horizon for her own project. So don't forget, you can check out this episode ad-free on my Patreon. Um, I also have bloopers, exclusive content, one-on-one lessons, group lessons, and so much more at www.com. Patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane. And without further ado, I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving week with friends and families and loved ones and people who care about you and give a shit. And you're tuning in to today's episode with Evan Gia. I will see you guys next week. The show today was brought to you by Vitaplur E-Boost Gum. With no pill to take or powders to mix, Vitaplur E-Boost Gum is a first-of-its-kind energy rave supplement that provides magnesium, electrolytes, and antioxidants while you chew. Vitaplur is the perfect complement to my active lifestyle, whether it's at the festival, on the road touring, or hitting the gym. Chew Vitaplur and dance with confidence. Use code LizzieJane for 10% off any order. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining me today. I greatly appreciate you taking the time to come and talk about all the fun stuff that's going on in your life. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We'll just hop right into it. And and you you have so much to talk about, so I'm so excited. Um, We have the wonderful Evan Gia joining us today, and I'm so happy to have discovered you through online channels and just watched this incredible journey of you having like this classical training background in like orchestral music and going to Berkeley. And then now you're here and you're like touring as an EDM act. And it's like, it's, it's so cool. And it's so much fun. And like, for those listeners who may not be like really familiar with you, could you just give us some background on 
who you are, like how the Evangia project like came to be? Sure. Um, well, yeah, first off, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Um, I basically have been singing my whole life. I started singing lessons when I was like five. I kind of attribute my whole career to my first singing teacher, Sarah Moran, who believed she was like, there's something special here. She told my parents to keep it up. So I started taking, you know, like biweekly classes. And then that quickly shifted into studying classical music and opera, which I was doing competitions every weekend in the greater Boston area, as well as in my school, you know, choirs and musicals and bands and all that. So I was doing music forever. Um, and I loved it up until college where I had to make a decision. Did I want to go full classical and go into a conservatory um, or apply to some place like Berkeley College of Music and do a more contemporary route? So I chose Berkeley. I got in right away. And yeah, I, I honestly, it's a wild story because I stopped singing right when I got into Berkeley. I think it's big fish small pond and then it's the very opposite when you go to a place like that it's like so much talent it's pretty overwhelming um and so yeah my confidence was just totally shot I ended up getting my music business degree so it's been super helpful in my career um but I graduated with music business degree moved to New York City started working as a receptionist at a mastering studio so yeah I was just feeling like oh, there's something else I'm meant to do. I honestly didn't even dream that I could be the artist. I thought I'd for sure be a manager or at a record label. I did hundreds of internships. Um, so yeah, I saw the whole back end of the industry. Um, I moved to New York and met my now husband, Deshaun, who's my producer. They go by Memba. And he urged me to start writing. I ended up quitting my receptionist job, taking a huge leap of faith and just started Evan Gia. It first started as Gia. Then I added the Evan. Um, we started putting stuff out on SoundCloud. It started to catch a wave. Um, Odessa noticed my song Westworld. And then here we are. So, Oh my gosh. That's, it's just one good boyfriends are the absolute best. That is now yes. your husband. You know, they always push you to do more than you really think you're capable of mentally. And it, it's such being an artist and being a creative is such a mental fortitude that you have to build strength and continue on like, okay, we've reached this point, but we can go further and I can do more totally. and I can uh, keep expanding. And I myself actually applied to Berkeley as well for their contemporary jazz. Oh, amazing. And, and you're so right. When you are contemplating a school like Berkeley, where it is very art focused, which traditional universities are not really art focused, you just get the widest pool of talent imaginable. And, yeah. and especially on your end, like there's some similarities here because I went to school for Foley Sound and I was like always Amazing. supposed to be in my mind in the background, doing the background work, understanding through that how certain industries worked in entertainment and in the world of entertainment for the, furthermore going on to do sound design for like EDM companies you know splice like somatic stuff like cool. that okay yeah, yeah. and and then you're like oh wait like something's missing I'm supposed to be doing more and and right. that's that's so amazing and are you still in Brooklyn now in New York I now? am yeah uh, I'm actually home now I'm very happy touring is done for the season and I you know usually get to hibernate 
for December, the mm-hmm. industry slows down and just write music and be at home with my routine. Cause I'm a homebody. So this makes me very happy. <laughs> I am too. I'm a very much so homebody. And, and it's, it's crazy. Like, have you felt like in the last year, your career has really just started to kind of like tumble over that mountain where you're touring all the time you've got deadlines all the time or did you feel like it was more just like an accumulation because I know you've been releasing since like what 2016 2016 yeah okay 2016 and that was exactly when like the SoundCloud good era golden days still existed and you could just find these artists and like really you know, I, I think of like in the back of my head, like a crazes do it to it, you know, like you could have like a one hit wonder on SoundCloud and like pop off. And then you were like, okay, we're here. Let's get going. And it's just, it's not the way I think music streaming no. is, is formulated anymore. And so much of it is like pushed through Spotify, but SoundCloud black holes and SoundCloud eras where you would find people with a hundred followers that are just making so much like forward thinking music is, is absolutely just incredible. And I, I wish we had still some more of that. Me but too. Me it's, too. It's really cool to see the people who are coming up in that era now just like doing the darn thing. And I've followed Memba for, Memba for such a long time. And then when I found awesome. out not only you guys were married, but it was like, he's your producer and you guys work together. Like, I would love to know about, you know, the creative process. Like when you tell me that he said like, okay, like you need to start writing, like you have this beautiful voice, like how can we channel this into something that will provide you an outlet to be an artist? Like, are you working with a group of songwriters? You know, are you playing a part in the production process? How does that all go down? Yeah. Um, I, I think I just really hit the jackpot. I think Ashan and I were genuinely soulmates. He's Indian and Amazing. has lived all over the world. I'm a very white girl from Boston. So I always look at him even to this day and I'm like, where did you come from? Um, I know for a fact (laughs) that it was like meant to be because you're right. He's like always pushed me to like believe in something bigger. So I really didn't think that that was possible. I never called myself a writer. I always called myself a singer, a musician, but not a writer. And I, I just got a lot of inspiration from him and will um constantly making like literally eight to nine hours a day to this day every single day making music there's never ever ever a day except for saturday that they're not making music so it's just awesome to watch it's super inspiring and it got me in this mode of like okay let me try that there were millions of really bad songs um (laughs) like I mean, people still like like some of the older catalog, which shocks me, but it's just stuff that I'm like, oh my God, what was I doing? But I was figuring it out as I went. We still live in the same apartment that we kind of started the whole thing in. In our second floor, there's a studio. That's where Memba is. Um, and then I'm down here and I record in my bathroom. So like everything that you've heard up till now has just been super grassroots, recorded from our home, recorded from our closet upstairs. Um, I'm super lucky because I've done tons of sessions in LA and all over, through, set up through my label and publishing and all that. But um, I super enjoy collaborating with other people, but Will and Ashan are kind of like my base camp of writing. So um, we write everything, Sean and will mix and master everything. So like everything is just in-house, which is just a dream, honestly, Amazing. for a vocalist. Mm-hmm. Cause most people don't have that. They have to find, you know, 
source out, out elsewhere. And it's really tough to find people that you click with. I'm obviously the closest two people in my life. So it's very easy to be vulnerable and raw and open up. So, um, I sometimes there's like two ways we do things. Sometimes I start things on my own, just on my computer doing like little mumbles and things like that. Then I bring it upstairs and we flush it out together or we start from scratch upstairs. Um, and then honestly, any of the songs I start with other people, I usually bring home to Memba and we finish because they're just kind of the last 15 percenters for me. They can dial the song in, get it to where it wants to be, and then we release. So I'm lucky. <laughs> oh, that's ah, oh, that's so it it literally is a dream. And and I feel like, especially with your your background given, I always say it's it's not really like right place right time it's like right place right time plus like 10 years of hard work and like reaching that oh, yeah. percentile and then having that like you know collaborative group or those people walk into your life that you just click with because it's so far and few between especially I feel like in today's age where it's amazing because you know we have the capabilities to open discord or open zoom and work or fly across the country and work but having that like home ground and having those people you know, not only have expertise in other areas that, you know, you yourself may not be as strong in or has as much as experience in mm. and being able to be comfortable with them and open up is like, yeah, okay, hello. And the last like 15% of a song is always the most important. I feel like, always. Yeah. you know, you know, you can write and you can get in a flow and then you know, you're feeling like great. And then you revisit it the next day and you're like, it's right there, but like, what does it need? And exactly. And, and that like in my lane, I wish, you know, producers, I think, I think producers are getting a bit better at it, but because we're like producers, there's this like stigma that we're supposed to be alone in a room, finishing everything ourselves, And, and that's just not the case for the best pieces of artwork that you can like put out into the world for other people for to sure. consume. Like the more minds that you have, the better it's going to be, the more ideas are going to be flowing and like so on and so forth. But that's uh, what a dream come true. And that makes me so excited for you because it's like this endless outlet of, hey, I'm like here to write and here's what you do. And they seem to have their own kind of schedule of progression where it's secondhand nature for that. We're here doing this eight, nine hours a day. We're producing nonstop. And like, this is our life. Yeah, no, I mean, they've just made that decision and haven't turned back. And I feel like I, I think as far as like the schedule, I think it's important to touch on. Like, I think there are some artists that are good to write when they're on the road. I'm, I am now at 30 years old, just accepting the parts of me, like mm -hmm. very much so where I'm a very, like when I'm touring, I'm touring, I'm going all out. I give everything on stage. It's really grueling. It's like hour long. I have to protect my voice. Like I'm not in a creative state at all. I used to get so bummed because I'm like, oh, I should be out here writing while I'm on the road, you know, setting up a microphone in a random corner in a cold, dark room. Like it's just, that is not me. It never will be. So just this year told my team, listen, I need this time in the winter when I'm not touring. That is my time. I'm creative when I'm well rested, when I'm hydrated, when I'm I'm in my routine. That's just it. And so I have some good days of sleep after this last tour and I'm starting to like I was so bummed cuz I'm like, "Oh, I'm not feeling creative. I always feel that way while I'm on tour." And then when I give myself like a week or two at home, that just channel opens back up and now I have all these ideas. So 
I've just accepted that that is my schedule as an artist. Everyone's different. And it's just like, I'm going to come home from tour and then write. That's my time. So. Exactly. And, and I feel like having that, oh, here, Maya Kira saying hello. Hi, baby. Um, Having that time is so important because like you're, I mean, I'm not saying that DJs aren't like full on performers, but you're exuding so much energy. You're like, a pop star kind of in the electronic live indie hybrid space where I've seen videos of your shows. I haven't had the opportunity to catch you live yet, but you're like a magic jumping bean. Like it's like, I can't <laughs> imagine. You. I can't imagine how many calories an hour you're burning and literally like up. it's a workout. And it is a workout. And it's like, your heart rate is so high. You have to train to be able to sing those vocals and, and belt and, and do the choreography and do all of this stuff. And it's, it's so amazing because you're one of really, I'm sure there's a ton of them. You're one of the first acts that I've seen in my wavelength. I would say besides Haleen that has kind of been in this space, but doing their own thing, but, but you know, in, in the clubs and the music venues. And that's a really cool crossover and you're able to do it you know with a backing track with having live elements running everything through Ableton live and then having your own set so so where in your career path did you really feel like okay like I'm a touring national act now I know you're with Wasserman so is that when that kind of started to come about or or was it people like Odessa or Allison being like hey come join me as support for my shows walk me through that yeah I think my goal for Evan Gia from the very beginning has always been I don't want to be a feature artist and I think when you're in the EDM space as a vocalist it's very hard to not fall into that hole um And my goal has always been, I want my own lane, my own career. I will feature on other artists if it's like a good collab and it works out. Like Elenium and Dylan Francis. Exactly. (laughs) That was a no brainer. So it's like when I do those things, but I want people to click on Evan Gia from their page and go to me and go, oh my God, she has EPs out, a full catalog. She has her own brand. She has an entire career on her own. It's not just, oh, look at, you know, a few other people uh, featuring here and there. So that was always the goal. And every time I brought a new team member on, I'm like, listen, I'm not a feature artist. I am. My dream is the mix between Dua Lipa and R.L. Grime. That's where I want to (laughs) be. So I love that you said pop artists because like I tried to write pretty bangers where it's, you know, the pop verses with the EDM choruses. And that's where we're trying to intersect. And part of, of that whole vision is the performance. I know I was born to be on stage and as a performer, I think like I said, if there was a pie chart, I think I'd be like, you know, 95% performer and the rest like falls into place. But, um, I just felt really proud that the vision's actually coming across. For example, this year is like playing stages like Lollapalooza, but also like almost headlighting this massive stage at EDC. So it's like the bookings are showing people are understanding it now that I can do both. Um, it is not without like, you know, It's tough sometimes, though, because uh, I have to convince people like on my tour, for example, I got booked at a nightclub and they only had a DJ booth. And I'm like, I am a vocalist like I'm I cannot perform with this, like sidestepping this much room. I need a full stage. This is what I need. And so 
it's been, it's taken four years and still working on it to try and get people to understand it. Once they see me, they're like, Oh, okay. Like she needs a stage. Um, Mm. but I still feel good that I can bridge the gap because that was always the goal. And I never really wanted to make bubblegum pop. I wanted to make shit that really bangs because that's the stuff that I listen to. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy. It's, it's, it's coming together really well. It's definitely coming across and I feel like always like the road less traveled is going to be so much fucking harder to like oh, yeah. get people yeah. to like see the vision in full. It takes such a long time. And I, I think of artists like like Nitty Gritty, like Dylan Francis, like Elenium, where, you know, they've taken a very multi-genre approach to their career and, mm-hmm. you know, they've been very accredited producers who have maybe not like been like oh i'm like just a bass act i'm just a trap act i'm just a tech house act and it's taken longer for their fan base to like really get behind it because traditionally as you know an electronic artist you're making kind of in this like circle of genre music with maybe a little things falling slightly out of the circle and now i'm seeing a lot more artists that are i think just being a lot more widely like receptive and also fan bases that are being a lot more widely receptive to new things and not hearing the same thing over and over and over again. And I think that falls really well into like you breaking out into this like unique new lane. That's, you know, I think of the ultra live stage. I think of people like Elohim and Allison's live show and all of these DJs that are really leaning into their artistry as live performers and like, me personally, myself, I feel like that is the future of electronic music in a whole is like bringing back like Nero, bringing back like all of these people yeah, that did exactly. these Exactly. That's what my bread shows. and butter growing up with was. Really? And I just was like, what if I could bring it together? And I do think the more you can just forget about trying to fit into a genre, like now when I'm writing, I'm writing what's coming from my heart because that's Evan Gia. Like that's mm-hmm. just art already is Evan Gia if it came from me. And yeah. I have to keep reminding myself that because there's tons of expe- expectations with my label, with playlisting. It's like, well, I mean, I don't get it. Like it's not going to sit here, but it's not going to sit here. They're making your life so hard. And I'm like, well, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I don't want it to be obvious which mm-hmm. way we're going. It may take a longer for people to like latch on but I'm okay with that like I do think it's been a slow grind it's not very slow like I think everybody's like hard on themselves and wants more and more and more it has not been that slow it's only been like four years but still like yeah there's times where I'm like okay like where's that moment um when I have to remind myself that moment has already come I'm in it it's the process I'm, I'm I'm living it right now I'm living you know I can feed myself from my music that was the only goal and that is it so there shouldn't be more of that but I think as humans we're constantly like okay what's next constantly especially if you're like not necessarily like very hard on yourself like I I know I'm hard on myself but I think especially women in creative spaces were built so differently than the average like male that I think our brains are just wired to not only know that we have to go above and beyond to like prove the worth, prove we're doing the writing, prove like in whatever's mind or for your like own self-conscious that like 
you deserve to be here and I've earned my way here. And like that sometimes can, can mess with your head when like all of these amazing things that you've worked years to accomplish are starting to happen. And you're like, wait, is this supposed to be happening to me? Is this really, is this really like happening? Yeah. You have to stay so present. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. Cause you can easily like the summer I had, I wanted that summer forever. It's like, what? You played a festival every weekend. Like what, what could be better than that? And then of course, like, I'm just like, okay, well, that's great. We check that off next. Like I'm, I like it. You know, I do like that part of, that's the only reason I am. I do think the reason I am where I am today is like a, like the constant motivation in my heart type of thing. And also Mm -hmm. just my organization and business mind. I don't think you can do it this far without being good at all of that. Um, and knowing how to like manage a team and push a team and build a team and like get people behind it and sell it. And like, yeah. And the branding, all of that. I think there's so many more elements than people think. It's not just like making the music and putting on the show. I spend so much of my time on the business of MNG. It's like, I mean, pretty much I try to tell myself sometimes I'm like, okay, back off, like come back to what is the core of this, which is the music for sure. But like people ask me for advice and I'm like, oh my God, like be organized, like be a businesswoman. (laughs) Like that's. You literally have to. And, and that's what people think that art and business don't fall in the same category. But if you want to make the smartest decisions that are in the best interest of yourself. You have to have an understanding of what every team member is supposed to be doing on your team, how to lead, how to organize. And if you have a team full of men, it's kind of hard sometimes, which so hard. I've been going through it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's hard to take that front forward position. And, you know, as a woman in my mind all the time, I'm like, okay, you're either going to be pushed over or walk over or you're going to come off as a bitch and it's mm-hmm. nothing in between and and I think so much of that and and I think every woman creative I've spoken to still kind of deals with it when we know we shouldn't care and we just need to do what needs to get done but then you also have that little voice in the back of your head that goes okay but I'm a really nice individual and I care about yes. everybody and I don't want people to think I'm mean but I also know I'm going to get taken advantage of if I don't do this the way that it should be done, that I want it to be done to feature my vision solely. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's a really hard in between. And that's why, I mean, looking back now, like it's just so important to appreciate the journey and all of us are so impatient and we want the next thing tomorrow, but going through the things when you're supposed to go through them are so important because if you jump the gun and you get somewhere before you're supposed to be there, you can really step on your own foot. And and having so true. I'm seeing yeah. that a lot with all the TikTok people too. Or like I I oh see it blow up overnight. And then yeah, of course there's me, there's parts of me that's like, oh, that's so amazing. Look at all their streams. Holy shit. Like wish I had that. But then I see them going on these tours and I've you know, a few of them actually study with my vocal coach because they like looked it up. I'm like, I want to have a Gia's vocal coach. Let's yeah. see if I can do it. And my vocal coach let me know. She's like, doesn't say me, tell me names, but she's like, a few of these people just had to drop out of tour because they can't, they can't sing through their set. Like, you know, they're not, they haven't had those years of, you know, like opening for like 10 people and having to perform your ass off, even though there's literally no 10 one. to five people there, there's no one there. 
you're freaking out. Like it's such an ego slash, but you get through it. It's like four years of building up to that. That's why when I do get to these festivals, I do get to these headline shows. I'm like so proud because like I've had the journey. I do think that there's nothing that can replace that. So I think it's super important. I mean, it's such, it's such an intriguing, interesting conversation with TikTok thrown into this new wheel of the entertainment industry where you see these massive, highly accredited artists like Lana Del Rey, Adele, you know, Taylor Swift, you know, speaking out where the labels won't let them release the songs until they get the traction here. But then on the flip side, you have these you know, artists or, or, you know, wonderful singers or pianists or violinists blowing up overnight or DJs doing mashups and all of this stuff. And then they're all of a sudden supposed to push hard tickets when you're posting on a platform where, you know, you're reaching people in every corner of the world and you can't tour every corner of the world and you have no ticket history and you have no idea what it means to prepare yourself to perform and tour and the sleep schedule and the diet schedule and the health routine. And like all of that has to be, you know, trial and mistakes and failures and corrected and, and improved upon for you to actually incorporate touring into like your career to expand that like shelf life. Cause like every career has a shelf life. So it's like, it's really cool if you want to be on TikTok and you know how to use the algorithm and blow up and you want to tour, do whatever for two to three years. But the majority of people I speak with, you know, this is their life. This is everything they poured every inch of their soul and financial back end into. And they want this to be their career for the next 10, you know, one to two decades. And in order to do that, it takes a lot of time. Like you have to build a house of bricks. You cannot build a house of like little leaves and it's just going to get blown over because I, it's just crazy because I've, I, we've seen the same thing. Like I'm sure, you know, Memba has spoken about it on our side where you've seen these, these TikTok DJs and these TikTok producers just blow the fuck up. And like, they're on UTA, they're on Wasserman, they're touring, but it's like this whole new lifestyle that they haven't been exposed to. And I just, I wonder where the middle ground is. Cause you know, I was just looking at your TikTok the other day and you know, you have all of these followers, but then the reach is doing the same shit that Instagram's doing. And literally, it's crazy. Are, I'm getting like 4,000 followers a day. I'm like, but where are you? How can I access you? Are you going to buy tickets to my show? No. <laughs> like, it, it's just wild to me. And my label did give me a bit of like a, you know, a few, a year ago, I guess, exactly a year ago, being like, I mean, you got to go on TikTok. Like, there's nothing you can do. Just go with the times, whatever. I was like pretty hesitant for a while. So then I'm like, all right, go with the times. I learn how to use it. I put my back into it. I'm like, okay, this is like confusing at first. I get over the hump. I start getting followers. It's like a few things go viral. And I'm like, okay, great. But yeah, then you see that kind of plateau as well. And I'm like, okay, there's always going to be something next. And I think if you're constantly in the world of, that's why I'm really proud of both Mamba and I's careers, because it's like, well, I say when we do make it, these are, these are like vocab that I'm actually with my therapy, like you pushing have out. made it, <laughs> have made it, have made it, have made it. We have. Um, but like, you know, when there's that big breaking next hit or whatever moment, it's like, I'm just glad that we had this step-by-step process. Like, yeah, it's grueling. And like you said, at the very beginning of the interview, what 
an artist does is wake up every day and believe it's like so hard. It is the hardest part about this on the months that things aren't, you know, streams are plateauing and you feel like everyone's kind of forgotten about you haven't toured in a while. You're like, I have to wake up and do this just as hard. doesn't matter. Like just keep going is the hardest part because it's all on you. Um, even if you have a huge team, it doesn't matter. They're not waking up thinking about this stuff. Like only you are. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's huge. But I do think that slow but steady process that I have created, like I'm just grateful for that. Cause I'm just, I feel like I'm also just well grounded in who I am and what's important and my mental health. And I think that's just the most important. <laughs> and I think it's so important having like individuals around you who ground you as well who kind of have a step out of the industry to be like hey this isn't reality for most individuals and and what you're doing is a very um you know amazing specific unique lifestyle and it's really hard for people who aren't all in it to fully understand you know, the mental things that you may be going through in the ruts. And you're you're completely correct where, you know, you haven't toured for a while. Maybe you're preparing an EP. Maybe you're preparing an album. You see the streams plateau. That's when it is 110% the toughest because it's like, okay, the worst. Does, does anybody, you know, you have to like love it so much that you would do it for yourself even if nobody was watching no one was no on one was team. listening yeah no one was listening because it's through those times that you like push yourself really to the other side and and it's it's really dependent on like sitting on your shoulders and even having that best friend or that boyfriend or that husband that's like there for you to speak to to understand to like you know give you words of encouragement is like having that ground point of people who aren't also, you know, on an agency or working for a label is has has helped me substantially. And a lot of the people I've I've spoken with um have kind of said the same of having that like safe space to be like, okay, absolutely. Like, and I talk about this in my show and all the time, but yeah, my therapy has been it's everything. Like I think also as an artist, it's so important because my therapist is constantly reminding me that this isn't normal. She's like, Evan, it's not normal. This is not normal. Like you having to work for everyone's approval and like keep making sure that everyone cares about you every week. And that, you know, your labor needs you to post like three TikToks, but you need to write, but you also need to be on the road. He's like, it's not normal. So first off, just acknowledging that is huge because like sometimes I get so, you know, in comparison and all the stuff that you're required to be on social media all day, which is obviously going to deplete your dopamine. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, it's just those reminders are so important because it's, it's a wild society. And I think as entertainers, we have to like take it on our backs even more than most when you're like constantly like, I need to be relevant, I need to be relevant. So and that relevancy, yeah. like very little has to actually do with like your musical output. And I think that's like, like a very kind of middle ground as well. And like what you said with your label. So do you run your own label now? Were you with a label? Are you signed to a label? Tell me about that process and like how it fits like uniquely into your lane. Like, are they helping, you know, are they running your tour? Are they the promoter for your tour? Like what, like, what is the back end of where you release all your music? Sure. So I'm signed to Capitol Records, um, okay. under Astroworks Records. Okay. And, um, 
Yeah, I signed with them about like three and a half years ago. Um, we're about to re-up on a new option period. So like we signed for a significant amount of songs. And I don't know, I didn't know much, but when I was at that time, it was like 2019 and it looked like an opportunity that was great. And it has been awesome. They give me, you know, a good amount of reach and legitimacy. They help with playlisting and all that stuff. But what I'm starting to learn and what every artist will tell you is that it's all on me. Like it's no one's going to really push it there for you. If I got a huge hit that was starting to gain serious traction on TikTok or the radio or something, Maybe. they could step in and really get it there. But they've said so themselves, you know, developing artists kind of like not really there. They're not there to push it every day. And that's on me. And that's on me, me to lead my team to get it there. So that was a rude awakening for a while. Cause I'm like, what? I thought you're going to sign. And then they just kind of Capital records. You're like, hello. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's just not the case. So it's been good, honestly, though, because I've a had to expand my team, learn to work with them. Um, it's a lot of compromise. You know, there's times where I'm like, I don't agree with something or like getting on TikTok, for example, is like tough moments, but like at the end of the day, it is like this comforting thing to know, like it's, it starts and ends with me and mm-hmm. what's really important starts and ends with me. Um, as far as the touring stuff, that's all with Wasserman, my agents, um, there who were the first people to join my team and probably some of my favorite people on my team, just because they've created such an incredible touring, um, business, which is literally almost 97 to 100% of my income. So yeah, it's, it's amazing to have all the puzzles in peace as far as the team. Um, but again, like it really all comes down to me. So, (laughs) and, and that's what I think, I think for the longest time in my head, I was like, okay, you work so freaking hard to get noticed. And then you work to even harder to get people who believe in your vision and want to be a part of it and then it was like something just based on like watching other people's careers and like when you first start doing this you don't really you understand the positions but you don't really like get it you're not really like super knowledgeable on like what you said with like the capital records deal where yeah. you know looks like a great opportunity looks like they're going to do a lot you know they'll help here here and here but they're not going to make you and i think a lot of you know, developing acts have this stigma that, you know, oh, well, like once I reach the three major corporate agencies, like I'm set, like yeah. I'm going to be taken I mean, that's care kind of, of what it's all said is like, okay, then, then you make it like mm-hmm. you've and made what it. is making it though. I mean, really? So it's kind of just a slow every year building on it. Um, yep. and I don't think that's significant specific to my label it's like everyone's situation it's just a kind of growing pain of becoming an artist so it's been and I'm so lucky to have those opportunities have put on my lap just because I do feel like everything I've done up until now is the right move because it was just like meant to be um it led to something else it led to me meeting someone else or doing something else or learning something and like I've been through many contracts that were horrible like with random you know managements or something like that and it's just so stressful we've all gone through it so glad that happened (laughs) so Mm -hmm. glad it's so important to have those people who believe in you when nobody else does in addition to yourself because really what I've seen is like nobody gives a shit until everybody gives a shit and 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 there's like nowhere really in between because it's like 
having those, even if it's, you know, you don't have to have a big team either. I feel you just have to have a select few people. And it's like, you know, if those people happen to be on Wasserman, those are a great few people to be on your side project. And so when you started with Wasserman, you know, was it like, okay, you're a developing act. We're going to watch you. And like, this is what I have in mind for you. Like, tell me how that conversation went, because I think a lot of the times, I mean, what I just said, like people are like, oh, like I'm on Wasserman, I'm on UTA, I'm on CAA, my career is made. And then they end up being benched because they don't fit the agent they were signed to or or, you know, they're still only making five hundred dollars a show and they're getting their agents cut and the management cut and they're paying for travel and then they're negative. So how did how did that like agreement happen with you for you to feel like, okay, like this is the right team for me to move forward with? Sure. Yeah. So I I was lucky enough to land with the right agents. I don't think it has anything to do with the company. It's just the right people, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and they immediately had plan a plan. And it was a long-term plan. That's why I love my agents because it wasn't just like, great, we'll get you on a bunch of shows this year. It was like, all right, let's put you in a bunch of support. So I did a ton of support. And that's how I literally gained 95% of my fan base is to out touring mm-hmm. with these other artists. Um, and it was awesome because they used the artists they already had on their roster so it wasn't like these big reaches so he immediately was able to get me in on all these big tours it's my first tour ever was arena tour with odessa which is insane so yeah i was starting with support and then they slowly built it to a point where maybe we could do one small headline tour one small headline show and then we got festivals and then the festivals let you do the next headline and then now it's just this back and forth plan and mm-hmm. everything is thought out we don't just accept shows like Everything is, oh, does that make sense for this promoter in that stage so that next year she could get into Boston for this stage and that promoter? So they're just really good at what they do. And from the very beginning, I trusted their process because it was working. So I just kind of really got lucky in that arena for sure. Um, But the other thing is they put me on these things and I wowed the promoters every time. So that's really helpful because then they're like, yes. okay, great. We'd love to have her back. She killed it. She brought this many people, blah, blah, blah. We, that people were loving it. Where can we have our next type of thing? So it works, it works really well that way. Yeah. And, and it takes so much time too, for you to get to a point where you're like, okay, my performance is solid. Like I know I can go out there and I can like not only bring a select, you know, few people, a percentage of the crowd that's coming to see such a massive A-list artist, you know, I can also stand out, be unique. I've like honed my craft. I know what the vision is. And that's how I feel like you really do create your own lane and kind of what you touched on earlier, where in the electronic dance music space, you know, vocalists, you know, 98.9% of the time fall into that feature circle and it's really really hard to get out of you know you can be a a featured artist on you know every a-list you know song but you're still not able to really create your own demand or your own lane I mean do you I've spoken to vocalists that have been on the other side of this where it's been really hard for them you know whether it's a lack of a team or, or, you know, lack of knowledge and kind of like the business lane. Um, 
to really not only like be respected, but be like paid properly. And then, you know, brought out to shows to sing and, and have X, Y, and Z compensated. I mean, like what would be a few pieces of advice, like from your own experience for these women, because I know they all want to do what you're doing in their own lane, give or take, you know, the subgenre, but they have the hardest time pulling themselves back from, you know, being that featured act, you know, is it the power of no? Is it having your own team? What would you say? Yeah, I would say um, it's the power of no as well, because like, I mean, I get like hundreds of feature opportunities at this point, which is awesome because I've got myself to this place. It's like, okay, she's good vocals for this. Like Mm -hmm. she's the guy, girl I want to go to. But like, it's all about, you know, building up your nose to make the next one the best opportunity possible, um, which was hard for me because I'm a very people pleaser, always being like, you know what, we should just try it. Um, But now I'm starting to understand like the power of that. Also, I would say like having your own catalog is the most important part. So like, yeah, okay, maybe those songs, you know, my top five, that's Don't Let Me Let Go is the Dylan and uh, Dylan and uh, Millennium song. Obviously, those are going to be my top streamers. I mean, Westworld is my hit, but other than that, those are the top streamers. That's okay. But they need to be able to go to your page and see your EP. It may not be racking it up. It doesn't matter. My endorphins EP is doing well. It's not like millions and millions, but it's the people that came to my headline tour are screaming every word of the endorphins songs. They don't really care about the features. They're like, that's cool. That was awesome. But like, we like this song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So getting that music out is the most important thing. I think just like keep going and like honestly going and performing on those stages. I did it all summer with Dylan and millennium. Amazing. Like never say no to that. I just feel like that's always good thing. Always good for exposure. There's going to be at least, you know, maybe one, two to like a thousand people in the crowd that go, Whoa, who's that? Holy shit. That was sick. And then they follow you. So I think in the performance round, there's like nothing really wrong with it. But I think with writing, you just have to, yeah, you can continue to do those features, but I would say like say no to a few more and then start putting out your own stuff slowly, but surely it takes, you know, it took four years to get the catalog that I have. Cause it's not like you can release one every month, especially when you're on a label. So no, no, absolutely. And like in that process too, like I know, you know, you said you were lucky in this, in this lane where you did have, you know, producers behind you. My experience from talking with, you know, these women sometimes is like finding that right producer. That That's you the number with. one thing I get asked. Cause they're like, well, where do I go? Like, yeah, I do features because the person brings me the track and then I just sing over it. So yeah. but what do I do? And I just feel like literally the only way is to continue to do those sessions as many as you can. Um, sessions for your own project. I don't know. It's tough, you know, without label or publisher help, but like in LA, it's, you know, you find those, you find those circles pretty easily. And then I would just like stick with the few people that you felt like, oh, that was a good one. Like you can tell there's either really good sessions or really bad ones where you're like, we did not mm-hmm. click. Yeah. So finding those people and then, you know, br- like bringing it up to them being like, Hey, like, is this something you might want to like dig in with me on? And like, Because doing one session here and there and doing songs with a million different producers creates this body of work that just doesn't really make much sense. And that's what's starting to happen to me. I was like, well, I have a million songs, but they're all sound completely different and they're confusing. And then when I did brought them all to Memba, we were like, okay, Evangia. Like we just had to keep coming back to the sound. Yeah. Because 
another hard thing about being a vocalist is like you can do a lot of things. Like I can rap, I can sing pop, I can do classic EDM top line, but like go back to what your sound is. Just like just, you have to keep doing that because you can make a good song. It's like you know, everyone can make a good song. And I feel like so much of it is like finding that like unique formula that's exactly what you said, true to you in the sound that you want to really accomplish because you're correct. It's kind of like if you're working with all of these producers, you can learn so much. And I feel like if you're at an elementary phase, that's so good because like you want to be able to work with new people and you want to be able to learn totally. and trial and, and, and know when it feels good and know when you're like, wow, that we really didn't click and that didn't go as well as imagined. But if you're always having people telling you what they want from you on their own tracks, you're correct. You're not going to get a sound. You're not going to have a cohesive vision of, you know, who you want to be as Evan Gia, as Lizzie Jane, as, you know, X, Y, and Z and, and developing that sound. And would you say it took you like two years, three years? What, what was it to, to be able to say, okay, like this is the, the Evan Gia sound. This is the pop yeah. mixed with hybrid EDM. I do think that was like three, three yeah. solid years. Okay. I do. I do think it's funny because you think it takes that much long, that long, but then you look back at my old songs and that was Evan Gia. It was Evan Gia from the start, but for, for you to really understand it and know yeah. how to keep writing it, it's like three. And we have like okay. a, basically a, it's like an equation now. We don't always go by it because that's boring and no one wants to worry like that, but yeah, there is yeah, an yeah, equation. Yeah. There's an Evan Gia equation. So it's, yeah, you find it. And so much of like, finding your sound was like also like finding you have the the Evan Gia like the move like the movement tour you did the bike classes and you did the touring and it's like for me like I love to talk like the podcast is part of me like those move sessions are part of your project and I know you like highly prioritize health I'm the same way I'm like not necessarily a on the break. Rat. I heard you say, will you wait for me to go to the gym? Oh yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not like a crazy gym rat, but like, I know how important like having a healthy diet and sleep schedule and, you know, exercise is, is, oh my God, it's, it's like right up there with me in the top three to be able to do this like long-term and not like burn out. Like you have yeah. to have some sort of, of, of balance and routine and like try and preserve that as much as possible because like you're going to lose your sleep schedule a hundred percent. But you know, if you keep the aluminum water bottle and you have the protein in a bag and you do X, Y, and Z, because I think the most common aspect that I've seen in people who have just been doing this for like so long, and I'm sure like you saw it with the guys with Odessa and stuff, you know, like not only as a singer, can you not really like, I would say, be that like DJ lifestyle sometimes of getting messed up and do and partying yeah. and like you have yeah. to preserve your vocal cords, you know, um, is that, you know, the Zed's deads of the world and the Odessa's of the world, like they take care of themselves. Like they like, whether it's working out or eating right, like you have to have some sort of health guidance or you're eventually your body's just going to be like, I can't take this. This is why like pop stars yeah. have like personal trainers on the road and like all totally. of that stuff to keep them in line. So how did like these two worlds combined? 
Yeah, I so one of the many like hardships of getting to be an artist, my, my beginning journey was how the hell do I make money while I start this project? Because I mean, it took like at least three years to get a significant check going. Yeah. So I was like, I mean, it's all well and good. I can start writing, but like I cannot live, especially in New York City in between that time. So I was like, but I don't, I can't be at a nine to five desk. I need more time. I need a more flexible job. So I became a spin instructor and I was always a yoga. I was in, I was certified in yoga and I, I grew up with an active family. So, you know, my parents' lifestyle was like, you wake up, you move and then you start your day. Like there is no like they've never skipped a day type of thing. And it's not like in an unhealthy way. It's more just, like you said, for your mental, it's not for weight and abs and all that. It's just literally just a part of mental health, a part of living right. So that was ingrained in me. I became a spin instructor. I started loving it because almost like performing, you're up on a podiums for 50 people in a room. I started selling out every class. They loved my playlists because I played some of my own music. Plus, just like straight bangers that and I loved coming up with the playlists. It was like finding them on SoundCloud and stuff like that and creating these epic, basically DJ sets for an hour. And then I had a fandom like in Brooklyn, like everybody's like, oh, we got to go to Abby's class. Like she's the best one there, blah, 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 blah. And all this stuff. And I just started to feed off of it. It's just like being an artist. So I was like, this is awesome. So sad to have to leave it. Touring started picking up a sign with Wasserman and I was like, okay, this is awesome, but I have to leave. So yeah. I was like, how can I meld my fitness with music? And Evan Gia has always from the beginning, I kind of like any business, and I would give this as a recommendation, made like a business plan for Evan Gia. Like, what does it smell like, sound like, taste like? Like, what is its mission statement? And for me, it's like make music for people to move to. And I've always just wanted people to be at my shows, like leaving sweaty and happy and have endorphins and dopamine, like pulsing through their veins, but also they could be in a treadmill and just bang out a crazy workout because it's just hitting that hard. So I started GM move. Cause I was just like, you know what? I want to bring in that old part of my life. I was like, normal meet and greets are pretty boring. Who wants to stand in a line and just take a picture? I was like, what if I worked out with my fans? I so love that. It started at a very beginning, like tiny stages, and it's gotten to this place now where I'm like teamed up nationally with SoulCycle and Allo Yoga, and we're making these events across the country, which is just absolutely insane. Like, because I just never thought that they would latch on. They're loving it. I'm bringing in like 45 new riders oh, to yeah. their studios. They're like, this is popping off. I sell my custom GM Move merch, which is going to be eventually, you know, like a whole athletic wear line, which was my dream. And I just love how it's, it's all working out. You know, my, even my, if you see like my branding and stuff, it's like sports oriented branding, like, you know, the Nikes of the world, the logo, the logo, everything like that's all intentional. So, yeah. I love it. And, and it's like, I feel like it will create, and it already has created like such a close knit community of people who are like, like like-minded prioritize health, prioritize X, Y, and Z. And like, that's so cool because community is so, I would say like from the business side, like building a community is so important for like an artist's career. And And I always wanted it to be like, let's, how can I make it cool to care about yourself? Like, how can I make it swag to work out and go to therapy and get to bed early and hydrate? Like, that's my goal. Like I, it's cool. 
It's cool yeah. to care. Oh my God. It's it not is cool. cool to party it like till you can't anymore. Like it's not cool to push yourself to the brink. Like that's not cool anymore. And it's not cool to be sad. Like that sucks. Like no sucks. one wants to be depressed. And you don't have to be sad. You don't have to be depressed. It's it, life is just all based on the choices you make and, and how you proceed and go backwards and learn from your mistakes and your failures and, and it's it's so true and and I love it because I feel like you and and I've started to see other artists really speak out about it is like what you said like it's it's cool to care about your body about your mental wellness about all of the stuff and I love that it's being discussed because for such a long time it was really pushed to the side and now it's kind of being brought to the forefront with artists like you where it's like hey this is okay excuse me hey this is okay this is cool and, you know, this is how I live my life and I'm a touring artist and I'm not partying every night and I'm not putting forth this image that I'm doing all of these things just to be like, cool and, and da, 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 like, take care of yourself, you know? No, I think like, it's just so huge to like have that message just because I do think, especially in the EDM space, like you said, it's yes. just not normally nope. the case. Um, and I think you know, I've always just wanted to be a source of motivation. Like I want to be an inspiration and motivation. And I do get a lot of that feedback from my fans just being like, I don't know, I put it on and I ran an extra mile. Like I didn't think I could. And a lot of people coming to these GMO events have never spun before. They've never done any of this. They're coming because they love me and they want to support me, which is incredible. But then they leave and go, oh, I could handle that. That was awesome. Maybe I'll or come like, back. like that feels so good. It's That just like felt amazing. Things. I've never yeah. felt a release like that before. And like to introduce people to something that I've never done before like that is huge. So it's yeah. huge. Oh, amazing. Okay. So before I let you go, what is next for the Evan Gia project? I know you just released an EP not too long ago. So I, I don't assume another huge body of work anytime soon, unless you're working on one or what can you tease for us coming yeah. up? Yeah. So just finished the tour and now this is really writing era. I am putting boundaries down and I'm just saying goodbye to everyone. I need to write the next era of Evan G and I'm super excited for that, for everybody to hear. I want to put out either an EP or album, album but I would say it probably will be an EP because we just have so much mm-hmm. stuff to put out. Yes. So EP this year for sure, body of work. Um, more GM move events, uh, bigger on a national scale, um, which will be really fun. Cause I'm trying to do like my own GM move type of tour, yeah. um, separate of my touring, um, a ton of festivals this summer, and then hopefully a headline tour. Um, and just a lot of like growth along the way. I'm excited to hear what this new music sounds like. Also, I'm excited to put my opera background into my music. That is the yes. goal for the sound of this next thing. So oh. it is the intro of my tour, which just finished, was uh, an aria, and it went straight into momentum, which is a huge banger. So my mm-hmm. goal is to now meld opera and EDM, whether that's with background vocals or there's a whole pre-chorus where I use that high register of my voice and then go into a big drop. Um, that is the goal. So I'm excited for people to hear that section of things. Ah, I love it. I'm so excited to hear it myself. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so excited. You know. Hopefully some people will get on the Gia Move train after this. Yes, I love it. And and check out some events when you're coming to your town. My dog is going absolutely crazy, (laughs) but I really appreciate it, Evan. Um, I really hope to sometime meet you soon. Next time you're in Denver, I will keep Oh, for sure. I'm definitely playing there next year. So we'll get you on the list for a show and we'll have fun. 
Amazing. Thank you so much. So nice meeting you. Thank you so much for having me. So nice meeting you. Absolutely. I will talk to you soon.